This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 39. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 39 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Brian Goodwin, Pete Hall, and Elisa Simmerall about their recent book, Pursuing Greatness, Empowering Teachers to Take Charge of Their Professional Growth. Brian has appeared multiple times on the podcast, and we're pleased to have him with us again. And we'll link his other episodes in which he joined us in earlier shows. Brian is president and CEO of McCrell International, a Denver-based nonprofit education research and development organization that serves educators across the U.S., the Pacific, and Australia. The mission of McCrell is to make a difference in the quality of education and learning for all through excellence in applied research, product development, and service. Pete is a veteran school administrator, keynote speaker, and professional development agent who's dedicated his career to supporting the improvement of our education systems. This is his ninth book, A Passionate Advocate for Whole Child, Whole Adult Approaches. Pete provides support to leaders, schools, and organizations around the globe. Veteran educator Elisa has guided school-based reform efforts as a teacher, leader, instructional coach, school administrator, professional developer, and instructional leadership consultant. Her passion is, and always will be, providing support where it's needed most at the classroom level and empowering teachers to take charge of their professional learning and growth. According to John Dewey, quote, how we think drives what we do. Therefore, developing and refining strong habits of thought is at the heart of all capacity-building work and ultimately both teacher and student success. Her mantra is, when our teachers succeed, our students succeed. So welcome to the podcast, Brian, Pete, and Elisa. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks Great to be here. Thank you. Great to have all of you. So Pete, let's start with you. Um, can you give us a personal story about how you became so passionate about teachers as inquirers into their own practice? The story really uh, starts for me in Reno. When I was a building principal in Reno, I had hired Elisa to be an instructional coach in our building, which coincidentally was probably the wisest decision I ever made as a school administrator. And uh, 
one of the first things we realized is that not all our teachers teach the same. And it, upon deeper digs, we realized that not all our teachers think the same. So eventually we theorized that in order to impact instructional practice and therefore student learning, we really have to influence the way our teachers reflect on their practice and how they process their actions and impact. So we spent quite a bit of time building capacity, reflective capacity, and often we found that curiosity is at the core of that work. And in the end, we kind of discovered this, that the more reflective we are, the more effective we are. And that's kind of how our journey began. So I see, I hear a lot of threads from your different backgrounds and see how the three of you actually connected a, a lot on this work. So um, let's uh, dive into this book here. So we talk a lot about uh, agency here within our work in the district you know, learner agency, as well as adult agency and agency from the professionals. And early in the book, you ask us to reframe this dominant paradigm of professional learning. So explain to us and our listeners what this new framing looks like. So, you know, we have a sense of agency when we feel in control of things. And our goal in this book was really to help and empower teachers to take charge of their own professional learning and growth. And through that, what we want to guide them is to help them understand when they need new learning in their lives and how to learn what they need to learn. Um, the other piece that we strive to do is to help them understand what do I need to unlearn in order to relearn something new or what do I need to do um, to learn best. And so throughout this book, this was probably something that we spent the most time talking about as an author team, how do we really frame it so that teachers take charge of their own learning and growth and get to know themselves as learners in a way that perhaps just reading another book might not guide them in that way. So it isn't just about inputting new information. It's also about better understanding yourself as a learner, how you learn best, and building that metacognitive practice while taking in new information and trying things out in your classroom. So related to that idea of, of professional educator agency, when you go around and work with, with groups of teachers, you probably find different levels of entry um, in terms of uh, willingness to take on that ownership of their learning. How, what are some strategies that you use to help sort of release that agency in that professional? One of the things that we do is we ask teachers to think about their own thinking while they're engaging in that new learning. So to really pay attention to what do you know at the start of this? Now we're going to give you a task and engage in this new task. And we want you to notice these specific things. Notice what your students and how they respond to this you know, new thing that you try in your classroom. And then we want them to also be aware of their own thinking while they're engaging in it. So when you notice this, what did it make you think of? And so we guide very carefully through this book, teachers to engage again in that metacognitive practice through a set of questions where before, during, and after they're trying new practices, we're guiding them with good questions to become deeper and more aware of their thinking. Let's shift over to you, Brian, and now think about the book and the theory of action for the book. And talk to us specifically about how curiosity intersects with the theory of action. 
Yeah, and so I think one of the ways that we've come to this book as, a, as McCrell, as an organization, and you guys know we've, we've been doing a lot of work on curiosity, and where that work started was in Melbourne, Australia. And we'd heard about this district-wide initiative, uh, region-wide initiative, encompassing some 75,000 students that was all focused on let's improve literacy and numeracy, sure, but also curiosity. And I've had the, the, you know, the opportunity to tour some of the schools that are doing this work. And, and you see these amazing things. Like I was, I, I was at one school over lunch hour. As the kids were coming off the playground, they were then entering into their afternoon, which is all about inquiry, right? It was about having um, these investigations that the teachers had framed. And the teachers had done all this work. There was not like a curriculum that was being put in place. And what we got to realizing in this whole initiative was all about helping teachers work together to answer questions. And we realized that, you know, kids can't be curious if teachers aren't also curious, right? We need um, teachers to be asking questions. And because the, the heart of curiosity is questions, right? And so one of the things that is, as Pete and Elisa and I were talking about this book, um, obviously we come with the research bent. And I think Pete had, had gently pointed out at one point that, you know, sometimes researchers, we get so hung up on, oh, there's methodology and here's the sample size and here's the, the, the strategy we use to, to do the study. What people really want to know is, can you solve my problem for me? So instead, instead of telling teachers, hey, you really should do X, Y, Z, teachers usually come at their problems of practice as a question, right? How do I do something in the classroom? And I think that was kind of a, a critical shift for us to say, we want to frame a whole book around problems of practice um, that we know teachers are asking. So that was a lot of, this, this book has been a labor of love. Um, really, it was a lot of going back and forth with, with Elisa and Pete and our other co-authors, BJ and Bess, and saying, what are the, how do teachers frame their learning? Like, what are the questions that they're asking? And we quickly realized that they, there tends to be a, a, a progression, right? That we maybe ask questions early on that are about how do I handle my practice? Or how do I do X, Y, Z? But then eventually we're starting to ask questions about how do I get students to do X, Y, Z? How do I get them to be engaged as learners? And that's what we see in Australia, like, or the schools that have been at this curiosity work for a long time, the kids are owning their learning. And so we wanted to lay out pathways that got at, how do we shift from always thinking about what I'm doing as a teacher to what I want, what do I want my students doing and thinking about. So let's stick with that, Brian, this idea of the pathways, because that, I think, really makes the book user-friendly. So talk to us a little bit of what are those six pathways and how did you arrive at them? Yeah, so the six pathways, we were looking closely at, again, research, saying, okay, so let's go back and say, what are the things that when teachers get better at something, we know their students also become more proficient learners? And so we looked at things like, how do I design really engaging lessons, right? How do I, how do I create learning experiences that, that kids are engaged in that I also know are challenging, right? That are, um, you know, you may, maybe you use the word rigorous, but we think about challenging our students, but also supporting them. So there's a whole pathway, for example, around instruction. There's a whole pathway around assessment. How do I move, you know, how do I start checking for understanding and how do I begin to think about assessing for learning, not just simply, um, the end of the unit quiz, right, or, or test. And there's a pathway, and this is a lot of the work that, that Pete had done um, in his other books around how do I connect with students? How do I make those student-teacher connections really powerful so that every kid knows they belong in my classroom and know that they have a relationship with me? So you'll, you'll see a pathway on that. Um, but again, what we did is we went back and looked at research for each of the six pathways, and we thought, 
okay, what are the things that we know if you think about like John Hattie's hinge point, what are the things that really jump off the pages of research journals to say, these are super important. And so you could do worse than to focus on these six things. And so that's, that's how we arrive at the pathways. And so there is a, certainly a research element to it, but then with this always flipping it around to like, okay, but what's the question a teacher might ask about their problem of practice? So let's talk a little bit more about the problems of practice. Um, and Elisa, maybe you could share with us a couple of your favorites from the book and some ideas about how to address those problems. So one of my favorite chapters is a chapter on feedback because we know that providing feedback is one of the most powerful influencers on achievement. Yet it's one of the most convoluted topics if you really get into it and start diving deeply into it. And it's one of those things that there's often a mismatch between academic and student perceptions on what constitutes effective feedback. And so this chapter was one that was near and dear to my heart as I work with teachers uh, educators, school leaders, feedback is something that always is a topic that arises. And we give feedback, but feedback we know can help us grow the most when done effectively. And it's more of just, it's more than just a statement of what's right or wrong. It's more than just comments in response to an assessment. There's so much more to effective feedback. So we have an entire pathway around this where we ask questions of what is it that makes good feedback? How do I get students involved in that process as well. And so some of the, uh, we, we offer a number of activities that teachers can engage in to try to, again, to become more aware of how their feedback impacts student achievement in the classroom. One of my favorites is one that's referred to as plan your checkpoints. And we start at the beginning of the chapter really helping teachers identify when is an appropriate time, what would be an optimal time to provide feedback. Let me plan this in advance. As I'm thinking about my lesson, when should I check in with students and for what purpose? And so that plan your checkpoints is one of the activities that we provide that helps teachers begin to understand and think about it in that manner. It isn't just again at the end of an assessment. The, uh, one of my other favorites, and this is a little later on in the chapter, as we begin to deepen understanding about the topic, um, it's titled Creating a Student-Led Culture for Feedback. And in this, we now teach our students how to advocate for themselves and their own needs as learners. And that's what's powerful in this book and through each of these tools that we provide, is at the beginning of a chapter, we're empowering teachers but by the end of the chapter, we're empowering teachers to empower their students, to be their own advocates and voices for themselves as learners. And so by the end of this feedback chapter, we are now teaching students how to request feedback, how to clarify feedback they've received, how to discuss feedback, how to challenge feedback if they don't understand it, and ultimately then how to take action. And we have a tool where we spell out and, and walk teachers through setting this up in their classrooms with their students, where we're teaching students to be their own voices. And so uh, this is just one example, but it's one of my favorite chapters in our book. I'm making so many connections to what you said, the, this idea of really being intentional and planning when's the best time or when are the best times to provide feedback and not just thinking sort of once the document is submitted, you know, one of our biggest challenges with kids work, kids working independently and collaboratively is sort of getting to the end and not having what they need because we failed to check in along the way and, and support along the way. 
Um, the other idea that I really think is interesting that you shared is we want students to be able to think critically and, and communicate as some skills. And this is another opportunity for students to engage and practice those skills to challenge feedback. And I think that's not something that's a norm. Um, you know, maybe we even get a little nervous as teachers when students challenge our feedback, um, or at least I think I did when I was, you know, teaching 50, however many years ago. But, um, and I'm thinking about that a little differently now that you've shared that in that context of that chapter of your book. Well, you know, I see often in classrooms where we ask students to exchange papers with one another and say, give feedback to your peers but we don't stop to think about the fact that students don't know how to provide feedback to one another either. What does that look like and sound like? Um, other than just, I like this, this sounds great, put in a period here, capital here. Effective feedback is so much more than that. And so what we want to do is not only give teachers that voice, but give students that voice as well in the classroom. So we appreciate that really detailed example because I think it gives our listeners a sense, a glimpse of what kinds of problems of practice and ideas are available in the book. And hopefully they'll get a copy and check it out because it definitely is a good resource for our teachers to to access, to start to inquire into their own practice and and uh, improve their practice as well. So as we go into the last lap of our conversation here, we have our lightning response questions, and I think we're gonna break them up between the three of you. So we'll start first with Pete. Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about this idea of taking an inquiry stance into our practice? Well, at the risk of calling out uh, my co-author, Brian, um, I'd throw him out there. Just when you start thinking about curiosity, I mean, he's written two books out of curiosity, is one another is building a curious school. So he's kind of like our, our, our generation's curiosity guru. Uh, if you're, if you're not interested in looking inside and we go outside, um, I would direct you to Erin Jones and on Twitter, she is at Erin Jones in 2016. And she is an expert inquiry, equity, integrity, uh, she's someone who asks provocative questions and really kind of challenges the status quo and the way we think about things. And she is a uh, a powerful voice in education. And we job. and we will link uh, the podcast we did with Brian earlier on curiosity uh, in the show notes on that one too. All right, second question. Let's go to Brian now. If you're recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? I first I just say ah shucks, thank you Pete for the, uh, the call. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I thought about this too. Is I, I oftentimes like to like to do some some reading outside of the field of education, um, sort of lateral thinking. So a book that actually influenced this book is called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyne. Um, in fact, some of the ideas here um, about you know when we get better at any practice, one of the first stages we have to go through is is having a practice modeled for us and seeing it, um, watching a video of someone serving a tennis ball or whatever it might be. So. You'll see that embedded in the book. So Daniel Coyne's um, The Talent Code, I think it's just a fascinating read for anyone that's trying to get better at something or trying to help people get better at something. The other one I would call out um, is also, uh, it's a book called Passionate Leadership by, he goes by Principal L, his name is Salome Thomas L, um, a great a great person. He, it's all about how you build a culture inside a school where, where people are ready to learn too. And of course, then I would be remiss if I didn't point out, um, there's so many books that Pete has written. He's just an amazing author. I always enjoy, um, enjoy reading his books. And then he and uh, Lisa have written a book together on coaching, which I think is really important. It could be really helpful as you, if you're someone that wants to help your teachers 
pursue greatness. Um, uh, that's a great resource too. So lots of good books beyond the one that we're talking about today. We've got a couple extras there to check out uh, on our favorite book sites. So our last question here for Elisa, what online site resource or person do you learn from regularly? You know, one of the uh, websites that I frequently speak to is the Cult of Pedagogy. Um, it's by Jennifer Gonzalez and it's has she's got she's had it for a number of years now and we've never met in person but I like to tell folks when I refer to her website that someday she and I will be BFFs because uh, her her philosophy on everything she just doesn't know it yet but uh, her philosophy on everything just matches mine and it's so powerful but she has a blog she's got podcasts she has has videos and she speaks to what ultimately best classroom practices are all about but in layman's terms she gives tons of examples and she really unpacks research for any teachers any age group and under really drawing on common misconceptions and common challenges that are faced that as teachers face in the classroom so it's cult of pedagogy by jennifer gonzalez all right excellent thanks for sharing all those resources Thanks so much for joining us today, Brian, Pete, and Elisa. Uh, it was a pleasure to hear about your work, and uh, you've given us lots of great resources, which we have linked in the show notes. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how can you create the conditions for teachers to take charge of their professional growth? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, Visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 39. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Brian, Pete, and Elisa. Bye-bye. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Always fun. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.